Well, you know, this week's Torah portion is one that we know very well, the binding of Isaac, the journey that takes place. But what happens when God's plan doesn't make sense to us? Think about it. Abraham was told that his offspring, his son, right, that there'll be a, from him a great nation will come. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, God says, go take your son and sacrifice him. How many of y'all think that's a little confusing? Is God talking out of both sides of his mouth? And how many times when we hear from the Lord, we don't understand the whole picture? Because when we look at it, it doesn't make sense to us. One plus one does not equal two all the time in God's plan. But he's given us a choice, an option. How do we handle the situation? And most importantly, what's in our heart? That's really what God looks at, isn't it? It's our attitude. It's how we take things and understand it. If God tells you to do something, are you willing to do it even though it doesn't make sense to you? Because many times his plans, when we look at it and try to see the big picture, we can't see it. And that was the situation with Abraham. Not only did he have to take his only son and sacrifice him, he had to deal with his wife too, didn't he? See, it had to be a family agreement. It says he got up early the next morning. He put everything together, and he went on that journey. And that even makes it harder. How many times, you know, we want everything today, you know, we're in a now attitude, right? We want it right now. What do you mean I can't have it right now? I, had, I should have had it a minute ago, right? With the Internet and everything, to, you know, at our fingertips. You know, we were talking, and Natalie was working on a paper. And somehow we got on the subject of procrastinating and waiting to the last minute. And I said, we usually didn't have that problem when we were growing up because we didn't have the Internet. We actually had to go to the library, look up books, research, and do, spend hours and hours trying to find the stuff that we needed. Yeah, you might have waited to the last minute to write the paper, but you had to do all the work beforehand. You couldn't just wait till that minute. But now all you have to do is ask Siri, and she's there for you. The answers are right at your fingertips. If you want to know about something, just ask. But Abraham didn't have that option. And he went on that long journey. And you know as he was going on that journey, day one, day two, day three, he was trying to figure out what God was doing. Yeah. 
trying to figure out how this was going to be. Isaac kind of got a, an idea there was an issue, didn't he? <laughs> hey, Dad, I see the knife. I'm carrying the wood. But where's the ram? Where's the sacrifice? And Abraham's response was so perfect. God will provide. See, that's what we have to understand. When we're following God's plan, he's going to provide everything we need. He's going to lay it out because if we try to do it on our own, we're going to mess up because we think we're smarter than God, right? Oh, God wants me to do this, so I'm going to do it this way. Well, that's not how he wants you to do it, though. They went there to the spot that would later be where the temple was. We see the institution of the sacrifice at the temple. And he built the altar there. And then he placed his son on the altar. What faith they both must have had. What love of God that they knew even at that moment God would provide. I bet you they started worrying a little bit. I'm going to be honest with you. But then Abraham took that knife and was ready to do what God had commanded him to do because he understood that God was in control and that God's promise that a nation would come from his son would be fulfilled. And then he heard that angel call. Abraham, Abraham. His response, I don't think he had to really hear it twice. I'm just giving you a hint. I think once, once he, he probably heard the F and he was ready, right? And his response was, Hanani. Here am I. That's our attitude that we need to have. Lord, here I am. What do you want from me? And he told him not to touch his son. That he had passed the test. I think a lot of us would have failed that test. We wouldn't even been able to get started. We would have fought God all the way. But for three days, in his mind, his son was already dead. But he knew that God would provide. And then he looked over and caught by its horns in the thicket was a ram without blemish ready for the sacrifice. When you read that, especially from a Jewish point of view, for the first time, 
Maybe you read it in school. And you realized. You read the story but didn't understand the full meaning. Because at that same area, 2,000 years later, our Messiah was going to be put up on an execution stake. And his response to his father in heaven was, let your will, not my will, be done. See, it's that same heart. They put a crown of thorns around his head. The same image we have of that ram. See, if you're not a believer, you don't catch the meaning. What was started with Abraham on the mountain was finished with God's son on the same mountain. Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Yeshua had to suffer so that we could be set free. He had to become that ram caught by its horns. But unlike that first ram that gave up his life, Yeshua is alive today. No longer is he wearing a crown of thorns, but he is wearing the heavenly crown of the King of King and Lord of Lord over all this world. And that's the rejo- thing that we can rejoice in. When God puts something on our heart to do it, we must do it. We might not understand it, but we need to know that he will provide. When he tells us to go on that journey, to step away and walk by faith, That's what we have to do. I'll never forget when God called us to start this congregation. It was a tough decision. We had a couple of families. But God started telling us to do things that made no sense. We had a feeling we were going to have a building very quickly. We didn't know how or why. I remember seeing an ad in, it might have even still been in the paper, if not, maybe it was Craigslist, of a three-sink kitchen sink, stainless steel. And the Lord said, buy it. We didn't even have a building yet, but we had the sink. And there's other stories that I could tell you about how he did it. And you know that, kitchen we have today, it didn't look like that when we bought this building. Let me give you an idea. It looked like from the 1950s. That's how old the stuff was in there. But we had a kitchen sink. And now look at it today. It produces the food for everyone to eat. 
We didn't know what God had in store. But we did it because he told us to. We shouldn't have gotten this building as young of a congregation as we were. But God had a plan. We really owe it to the church of God that they listened and obeyed to the Lord. I remember when we went into their office and we told them we wanted to see the building. We told them, look, we have little to no money. The banks won't give us a loan. But we believe if it's of the Lord, it's supposed to happen. The gentleman we met with had a love for Israel. He told us afterwards that the Lord put it on his heart that we were supposed to have this building. He walked into Bishop Walker's office and told him the situation. And Bishop Walker said, if that's what it means, then make it happen. They did something for us they didn't do for their own congregations. They backed our loan 100%. They came to us and they said, go now and tell the, the banks that we will back your loan 100%. And he said, and if that doesn't work, there's a bank up in Chattanooga where the Church of God started. He said, they will give you the loan. We went back to all the banks. And guess what they said? No. We called up their bank. And the response was, if the Church of God is doing this for you, there's no problem. I remember when they sent us the application, and the, the, they sent us a form like we were buying a house. And Judy called them up and said, I think we got the wrong form. They said, just fill it out. He said, you, you, you got your loan. And that's how we got this building. We stepped out on faith. Not only that, the church of God came to us and said, you know what, not only are we going to um, sell you this building. And they, by the way, they sold it to us for the exact price that God told me, which really irritated me because I like to negotiate. If you all know me, I love to negotiate. And I had to make a decision because God had given me a number. And when we were talking, they were originally talking a little higher. And I said, I can handle this. We're not far off. And then we walked into the building one day. They had gotten the um, appraisal back. And they said, I know we had told you this price. It was actually, the appraisal came in higher than they thought. They said, but we're going to give it to you for this exact amount, six seventy-five. That was the exact amount the Lord told me. Now, if you know anything about negotiations, usually when someone gives you an offer on your first time on a building, what are you supposed to do? Oh, no, oh, no I can't do that too much, right? But that was the amount that God told us. And I had to be obedient. And I agreed to that price. And not only did they, we agree to that price, they then said, by the way, we have a church that we want you to rent it out to, and we're gonna, they're going to give you X amount of dollars a month, and we're going to give you $500 more than that. At the time, that pretty much covered our mortgage. So you see, 
what was unavailable in our eyes. We couldn't see it or understand it, but God already had it and put it in place. He lined everything up just like it had to be. We need to be able to walk in faith. Trust your heart, not your mind. Because God has a bigger plan. Don't be afraid to step out and go on that journey. Because God's calling you to greener pastures. He's going to bring you <coughs> to exactly what you need. You know, a number of years went along, and everyone knows what happened in the economy. We were getting ready to renegotiate our mortgage. If it's unlike traditional house mortgages, they're not for 30 years. Every three years, you have to redo it. It's a way for the banks to make more money. Drives me crazy. You know what banks do? They make you get new appraisals and all these things. And guess what? They, that, they add on those fees. When we were getting ready to come up to our first appraisal, the market had already started going down some. It wasn't horrible, but we were told that our mortgage interest rate would go down. We had never made a, had a late payment, and instead the interest rate went up. By the way, our bank that had us originally got, got bought out by another bank, and the new bank wasn't as friendly. And they upped our interest rates. Because their response was literally, go find it, go any, try to go get a loan anywhere. Then the market crashed. And we kept paying our bills on time. And everyone knew about the, everyone refinancing, right, and, and, and lowering your rates. So again, our loan was coming due. We contacted them. And you know what their response to us? And so we need, a low, you know, we need a reduction in our, our mortgage payment because the value of the property had gone down. They're like, we're not going to give you that. You haven't missed a payment. Right, we haven't missed a payment. We did everything we were supposed to do. They would only give it to us if we missed payments. We start negotiating, and we get down to three issues. I wanted, instead of a three-year, every three years being turned over, I wanted five years. And I wanted them to lower our interest rate from like, it had gone up to like 6%, and the interest rates now were all the way low. I said I wanted it at 3%. And then the next one was that the Church of God be taken off as a backer, and that the congregation take on the, the commitment all to its own with no individual signing for it. I had chutzpah. The banks, after negotiating, we actually got to the point where our loan came due and we hadn't gotten an agreement. Without an agreement, we can't make any more payments. We finally have a meeting after several months. And the Church of God had some churches that were going under. Many churches went under in 08 and 010. 
and I'll never forget, we were at the meeting, all, everyone had their lawyers. And the bank had told us, be ready to make it, come to make a decision. And the church of God wasn't ready. And the bank didn't like that. They turned to me and said, you, we had one issue. What was the issue? I said, I wanted, they already agreed to the interest rate and everything else. I said, we want you to reduce it by, I think they dropped it 50 or $75,000. It was a nice chunk. The banker looked at it and said, we're done. You got it. But then I realized, I said, now I want to make sure the church of God can't come after us for the difference. And the church of God looked at us and said, oh, yes, we will. And I took my keys. I slid them across the table. I said, you have an ability now. Here it is. And the banker looked at me and said, wait a second, you're our client now. We're going to protect you 100%. We're going to put in their agreement that they can't come after you. Their lawyer looked at me and winked. Because see, God had the plan. We were able to get the building. They reduced the rate. And now we're with a new bank. And it's a miracle how God just sets everything in place. This new local bank has been great. They're like, when it comes due, we're not going to ask you to do it. We're just going to extend the loan. But we always stay committed. I should remember one thing. It was after the decision, they still hadn't filed. We were waiting for paperwork. And another couple months passed by. And I finally called up the head banker. I said, you know, we, we, we want to pay our mortgage. And usually what happens is, guess what? People don't save up that money, do they? They spend it. And they were ready for us to have a shortfall. I said, I have seven months of mortgage payments ready to give to you. And he looked at it. He said, you have what? He said, you mean you, you actually have the... I said, yes, we put it aside every month. He said, you'll have the paperwork tomorrow. See, when you stay committed and stay on God's path, yes. you will receive those blessings. Amen. See, I got a blessing in the long run. I got to finally negotiate. <laughs> but that's what being committed is all about. It's doing it not our way, but God's way. Amen. You know, we were on, a, on, on the cruise this week with Jonathan, and they're, they're doing a, uh, a trip a festival of music and dance. They haven't done it in one in years. They've done a lot of medical outreaches, but they're doing one in uh, Warsaw, Poland. And it's going to be in December, and i got to talk to Jonathan because those are the kind of things I love. If you've never been on a, a mission trip with reaching out to the Jewish people, I encourage you to go. You can find that on their website. But you better be ready for war. So you reach into Jewish people, the devil hates it, doesn't he? How many of you have ever been on a mission trip? Raise your hand. What did you build? Build what? A greenhouse? Yeah, right? You usually build houses or things like that. You know what happens when you go on a mission trip with Jonathan? 
Oh, you might go in jail. You ready for that one? Oh, get ready for great food. Um, our slogan was lose weight, save souls, ask me how. But again, it's listening to God's voice and telling him, if he tells you to go, you must go. And I'm praying about it. I got to admit, I got, I got a conflict that came up. When we got home in the mail, I got summoned to jury duty for that week. I'm like, all right, Lord. What, what, what am I supposed to do? I'm, I'm, I'm praying about it right now. But if we get that go, we must go. I'll never forget the last time when we had the festival that Jonathan was doing an event in India. And God put it on my heart to go. Congregation helped me go over there. And I remember praying one day and the Lord put on my heart that I would be speaking in the local traditional synagogue. And I went over. And this was not like the normal festivals that I was used to. It was a medical outreach. It was, it was easy for me. They weren't trying to throw us in jail or anything like that. Matter of fact, we had a miracle take place. A young boy had come in, and he had fallen when he was just a baby, and he had never walked. His father had to carry him everywhere he went. So his father brought him to the place, and unfortunately they couldn't help with his back. He had a broken back. He also had bad eyesight, so they gave him new glasses. And they told the gentleman to take him down to the prayer room and let them pray. And even though he wasn't a believer, he went down. And the intercessory prayer people prayed with him and he accepted Yeshua into his heart. They then prayed for the father's back from carrying him, being hurt all the time, and he was healed. And then they looked at the son. And guess what they did? They told the dad to pray for his son. And the dad, being a brand new believer, started praying for his son. And his son got healed. I remember them calling up to the office. I was in the office. I was working in uh, transportation. And they told Jonathan to come down, and he summoned me to go with him. And we went to see this young boy walking perfectly normal. And it was an amazing sight. Shortly after, we were walking him back upstairs and going back to the office, and the young boy looked at his father and told him to wait a second. And he walked back to where the doctors were and walked up to the eye doctor. You can imagine the doctor's shock. And he looked at the doctor and said, I don't need these either. Shortly after that event, we were back in the office, and the phone rings, and it's the local Jewish synagogue, and they wanted someone to come and share with them about the medical outreach, but we couldn't talk about Yeshua. I looked at Jonathan. I said, let me go. Now, one thing I know with Jonathan, 
how we do those things. It's sometimes it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. He sent me and we brought a couple people with us. I was going to be obedient and, and, and share about the, the outreach without doing that. And as I'm starting to talk, I'm looking around and I start talking about the miracle that took place. And I know sometimes you think I'm looking right at you all when I'm giving the sermon because the message is for you. To be honest, I, I, you know, we almost kind of look above. We don't really pay as much attention to, to people unless you're snoring. <laughs> and God spoke to me. He said, turn to your left. And I looked over there. And sitting on the side was that young man and his father. They were, they were members of that synagogue. And when I saw that, I said, here's what you can see the miracle that God did. They couldn't deny it because they knew it all along. It wasn't a thing we put on TV and then all of a sudden the kid's walking and normal and everything. Or you're watching Ernest Ainsley and he whispers in someone's ear who's been deaf all their life. And he says, say baby, and they say Jesus. Which really got me confused as a kid watching it. They would say different things than what he would say, right? They're missing the cues. But they knew this boy. And I was able to share the story about Paul, uh, Peter and John walking up to the synagogue and giving that young paralyzed man the best gift that they could give, not silver and gold, but the ability to walk again. A number of people came up to me after the, the message and said they want Yeshua into their heart. I had to go all the way to India. I had to be obedient for that very moment in time. Trust your heart. Obey God's will. Sometimes it makes no sense to us but it makes perfect sense to God. I want everyone to bow your head and close your eyes. If you don't have that relationship with the Father, and most importantly with His Son, Yeshua, you have to have Him in your heart. God gives us a free gift. We have to trust his path. And it all starts with that first step of saying yes to him. For those of you watching online, if you're ready to accept your shoe into your heart, all you have to do is contact us on the information you see on the screen. <coughs> and wherever you are around the world, we will contact you and pray with you that prayer of salvation. But if you're here today and God is touching your heart, all you need to do is raise your hand and we'll say a simple prayer with you. Is there anybody? Anyone at all? Then Abba Father, as we stand before you right now, Lord, let us obey your word. 
Lord, even when your plans don't make sense to us, Lord, let us be willing to step out on faith, to give you our all, Lord, we ask this in your son Yeshua's name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Give the Lord a hand. Amen. Amen.